of employee experiences with um, company ERP implementations and recommendations to increase employee satisfaction. Um, first and foremost, I'd also like to thank uh, our Stonebridge client sponsors, so I will hand it over to Mitch. Mitch, I don't think we can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yep, sure can. Okay, sorry about that. For some reason, of course, my headset disconnected. Um, well, first off, I wanna thank everyone for <laughs> attending today's session. Um, we're very excited to be part of the Stone Ridge Connect Conference. When preparing for this session, I started thinking about, you know, employee satisfaction. And one of the areas that's often overlooked is the interaction that employees have with internal systems when it comes to addressing and storing of information. At Data Haven, what we do is we provide users with the ability to search for emails, documents, to answer customer questions for, you know, or vendors, auditors, coworkers. And, you know, a lot of times what we find in talking with people is locating this information can be painful, particularly when they're out of the office. And it can lead to, you know, times where people are searching through paper file cabinets or searching a network folder to find the information that they're looking for. And oftentimes we hear people mention phrases like, OMG, where's the file? Well, Data Haven helps organizations ban this phrase and thus increase employee satisfaction by ensuring no one longer, no one longer stores information in silos. With Data Haven, we actually allow users to store things in a structured folder format and we give users access to information across Dynamics platforms, whether it be finance and operations, CRM, Teams, as well as Business Central, Outlook, as well as Power Apps as well. So we've got a lot of exciting integration that we're gonna be showing tomorrow. Um, I hope everyone will be able to join us at 3.30 for our session in OMG, where's the file? A question you won't have to ask yourself anymore. And with that, I will turn things over to Andy. Thanks, Mitch. Well, um, hi everyone. Uh, for those of you that I have not yet had the privilege to meet, uh, um, I wonder if you can see my screen. There we go. Mine's just a little delayed on my end. Uh, my name is Andy Lonthiesen. I'm a developer over on the Microsoft Dynamics Finance and Operations team here at Stone Ridge. And uh, earlier this year, I completed my doctorate's degree in organization development. And this program um, incorporated facets of change management, um, uh, um, and, how to intervene and implement successful and sustainable change at an individual group and organization level and further how people perceive and react to those changes um, and and the meeting it has for people um, so the final product for this program was to create and research a topic that related to um, and incorporated these values and given the industry that i work in um, and that we're all in i felt that it would be interesting to research the effects that erp implementations have on employees not from a logistical standpoint, like you will do this now versus that uh, with your, or your, you'll click here now versus click there. 
um, but more so to understand the psychological and subconscious implications that these sort of technology transformations can have on employees. So I am super thrilled that I can be with you all today uh, to share my findings because I am super passionate about this topic and it hit, hits home for a lot of people. So I'm hopeful that some may gain some insight from my findings and, and avoid some challenges going forward. So a quick rundown of the agenda here. This presentation is gonna be a, a, um, a summary of my dissertation. Uh, so I'm going to uh, going through, talk through my research questions, uh, problem statement, briefly talk about what the literature was that was reviewed um, that is already present for this topic, a little over the research design and methodology, uh, the results, the analysis, and finally discuss the interpretations uh, and implications. So, as you probably know, uh, ERP systems are used in most companies in some form. Uh, and if you don't have to know that acronym, ERP stands for Enterprise Resource Planning System. And it's a broad term uh, given to a suite of integrated software applications that companies use uh, to manage and automate their business processes. So um, some product examples include SAP, Oracle, Epicor, um, and of course, Microsoft Dynamics are now D365. Um, these systems are expensive uh, and traditionally long lived just due to the nature in which they are so integral to daily business. Um, upgrading or migrating to a new system uh, is a highly visible, highly risky undertaking for a company uh, and can take anywhere from several months to several years to complete. Um, and, and the statistic here is that these types of change management projects account for about 30% of all major change activities that companies go through in their lifetime. And what interested me on that concept uh, and why I decided to research this topic is that companies will traditionally see an increase in employee turnover during and shortly after an ERP implementation. Um, and to just sort of put this into perspective for people, some cases I reviewed had anywhere from 27 to 38% annual company turnover um, during their project, whereas the industry standard uh, for turnover typically sits about 17% about annually. Um, and this is pretty alarming, and this is a problem, um, and an expensive problem, uh, because it's a very vulnerable time for companies to lose key people. And um, this really kind of resonated with me, so I set out to try to shed some light on the issue. Um, so I formed two research questions that I felt was important to answer given the scenario. So the first one is, what are the experiences of employees working through an ERP implementation? Um, and second, are there factors related to retention and satisfaction that companies should be mindful of during that process? And uh, why I'm so passionate about addressing these questions is because I've been working with ERP uh, and implementations in a variety of roles, uh, different roles throughout my career, and I've experienced these challenges on more than one occasion. So seeing this sort of phenomenon pop up on more than one um, occasion, I felt that there's perhaps an opportunity to understand the intricacies a bit more. Um, so I'm going to start now with our first poll question for those on the call to get a better understanding of your own experiences. So the question I want to have you guys answer is, um, have you had, have you ever had a pleasant ERP implementation experience? And I'll wait a couple seconds for you guys to answer.
Andy, we're at about 81% of the people who have voted, um, and it looks like it's kind of slowing down here. It's at a 66% as no, 34% as yes right now. Okay. All right, that's really interesting. All right. Well, it doesn't seem to be any different than what I've been review <laughs> reviewing so far. So, all right. Well, we'll continue on here. Good to know. Um, so a bit of legwork needed to be done before I could really address these questions. And that was to review what literature is already out there on this topic. Um, and what I reviewed comprised of four main areas that were all interrelated. So the first one, what are ERP systems? Um, and some background behind how they came to be and how they're used today. Um, second is why ERP implementations fail and what motivating factors contributed to that failure. Um, the third, what are the traditional motivators of employee satisfaction and commitment under normal circumstances? So implementation aside, what makes an employee a satisfied employee? And then the fourth one is in the middle of it all, um, I was trying to find any research I could into my own questions of uh, how do ERP implementations impact employee satisfaction? So I'm gonna highlight each area of literature I reviewed briefly just to show why it's important to the research. So um, starting off here, during the 80s and 90s, uh, ERP was, was once considered a source of competitive advantage for companies. Um, they were expensive and the literature primarily focused on the bigger companies that could simply afford it. Uh, today, ERP is considered to be the largest single investment for companies in IT infrastructure um, and affects a large amount of, of employees and business practices. And the, the benefits that companies gain from ERP are only partly related to the technology. Uh, most importantly are the um, organizational changes that happen in parallel. So some examples include uh, standardized business process processes and work procedures and et cetera. So it's, it's hard to fit a square peg into a round hole um, in terms of how an older system functions in comparison to a newer system. Um, so these changes often happen in parallel when you're changing uh, migrating systems. So uh, today, uh, ERP is still pretty expensive, but they're more widely used um, and, and frankly expected in some form uh, for companies. And with newer technology continuing to come out, we are seeing companies retiring their old legacy systems at a more rapid rate. And migrating the systems, however, can introduce a lot of issues. And I reviewed why these projects may sometimes fail. Um, to see if there was any literature that touched on my research questions in terms of the employee or human factors. And uh, the subject of ERP implementation failure has been well-researched, and there are numerous case studies out there about it. Uh, you know, some high-profile examples include um, Hewlett-Packard uh, lost about $160 million in 2004 in revenue um, due to poor um, project management and system design. Um, there's an example uh, in 96 from Hershey's, they lost about 155 million due to poor user involvement in training. Um, there's another example, uh, Washington State Community College, uh, they lost about 13 million because it didn't fit their um, their architecture of how they ran their business. So and the, the term failure here can be defined as either a partial or complete failure. Uh, a partial failure would be something like if a company didn't significantly meet what they set out to do with the project, whereas a complete failure would be that plus moving back to your legacy system. Um, there's a st statistic that upwards of 40% of ERP projects failed to meet business requirements, while 51% of companies felt that their ERP implementations were un unsuccessful. Um, that's big, uh, and, and, and there's seldom a single aspect responsible for a failed implementation. Um, most of the liter literature focuses on, you know, deficiencies in the implementation process, 
uh, project management, um, leadership, or the, the technology itself. Um, but given the severity that ERP failures can make, I, I found the lack of literature about ERP failure in terms of turnover um, and, and employee impact surprising since ERP, for the most part, is a human-driven system. Um, and, and just to let you know, I'm not referring to turnover in terms of eliminated jobs due to the new system taking care of them. Um, these are voluntary quits type of thing. Um, so next, I needed to research um, ERP aside, what generally are the motivators of employee job satisfaction and retention? And we need to know this so we have something to compare and measure against. Um, so there are numerous models that sort of break it all down into buckets of exogenous and endogenous factors of motivation that companies have more or less control over. So uh, exogenous theories are of motivation are those independent variables um, in which companies have the ability to influence. So I'll give an example such as rewards. I'm associating a certain type of behavior or work output with a reward, such as a bonus um, pay or whatnot. Uh, you can also say people are motivated to work well when they have positive consequences of good performance, such as incentives, uh, recognition, social status, and so forth. Endogenous theories, on the other hand, are secondary like responses and attitudes, uh, expectations that are indirectly affected um, like job satisfactions. And these are more difficult for companies to control. So affecting the exogenous factors will secondarily affect the endogenous responses. And these are the factors that contribute to engagement and engaged employees, um, how performance and attitudes are shifted with engaged employees. And if left unchecked, a disengaged employee has a negative effect on retention and turnover. And this is due partly to the fact that people tend to identify themselves through what they do for a living, um, particularly in the American culture. So uh, disengagement has personal implications which tend to fuel turnover motivations. Um, and again, turnover creates a costly dysfunctional event for a company. And the, the total cost of turnover has been uh, estimated to be as high as 150% or more of the departing employee's salary. So this is a way to gain a better understanding of what's at play without a large scale implementation project in the mix. And lastly, I reviewed what was already out there in terms of um, implementation projects and their effect on employee satisfaction. And frankly, there wasn't a lot. Uh, most of the research focused on simple user technology adoption and functionality expectations towards the new system uh, and the importance of communication and change management practices to help reduce resistance. So really the gap identified here was the lack of research pertaining to ERP implementation projects in general um, and how they affect or influence employee experiences in terms of their satisfaction and engagement throughout. Um, and alternatively, alternatively if, they're, uh, if and how that impacts the success of the project. Um, so I'm interested to hear from you all as I pose my second poll question here of uh, how many of you have experienced or know of an experience of an ERP implementation in which company turnover increased during that time?
Andy, we're about at 84% of the attendants that have voted. Um, right now, it sits at 64% no and a 39% yes. Wow, okay. That's really interesting. All right. All right, so moving forward. Uh, so uh, to kind of move forward with getting some information to help answer my research topics is that um, I conducted a qualitative research project using narrative inquiry. Um, and, and just for a little background, qualitative research is a bit different than quantitative research in that I wasn't necessarily looking to gain a statistical trial and error type of answer to my question. Um, so for example, I'm not trying to survey 500 people and make a general conclusion about the larger population of companies type of thing. Um, that type of research is fairly common, especially in the IT sector. Um, so I wanted to use qualitative research using narrative inquiry, which is a focus on context and stories to get a richer understanding of meaning uh, using a smaller population of people. So identified five people to interview. Um, and, and just a disclaimer, these were not uh, people from any Stone Ridge affiliated clients or partners uh, or prospects. These are people that had gone through an implementation within the past year and had the benefit of being able to look back and recall their experiences about the project as an end user. Um, these are people that were not part of any core project teams or implementation teams. And then this was a conscious decision because the notion is that the people that are on these teams generally have higher access to information about the project versus non-project employees. Um, and these are also people that came from small to medium-sized businesses or under 500 employees. Um, and the intent of that demographic was the thought that um, larger companies generally have larger amount of dedicated resources to these projects, which may not reveal the employee experiences in the same manner as, a, as smaller companies do. So that's where I kept my focus. So I presented the results of each interview into a sort of mini chapter for each participant. And this was done to really immerse the reader into the history, into the context, and into the lives of each participant and their role throughout the implementation. And uh, furthermore, it helps illustrate how they all factored into the themes that were generated from the transcripts in later slides. Um, and for disclaimer, all of these names of the interviewees and the companies are pseudonyms to, to help protect their identities. So uh, Kim was my first interviewee, and she was a uh, buyer at ABC Electronics, which is an electronics manufacturing and distribution firm. Uh, she, she considers the role of technology to be critical to her daily activities. And during her three-year implementation for Managed 2000 to Epicor, uh, she discussed that she was frequently frustrated by her lack of involvement with the project and found that the ERP implementation um, and the requirements on her job post go live uh, were now limiting her autonomy and decision-making authority uh, compared to the role that she had prior to the implementation. She described many ways in which she was unprepared for the time commitments needed for the project and, and felt that her new job had um, become fairly monotonous. Uh, and she really described the training she received on their new system to be fairly insufficient. Um, she mentioned that a lot of what they had trained on uh, was with dummy data that never really uh, was deep enough to cover what they frequently experience at a day-to-day -day basis. So her attitude from the experience was negative overall. And what I found most interesting when talking with Kim was the assumptions she had regarding the uh, employee involvement and timelines needed for the project. Uh, she had mentioned that, oh, I just figured that all of this would have been handled by our partners since we're paying them to get us from system A to system B. Uh, so she was really astounded by the work it would take them internally to get live. Um, and for Kim in particular, uh, the enjoyment she once found in her job really took a hit from the experience. 
Uh, she mentioned on numerous times how much satisfaction and enjoyment she once got from being able to uh, manage and curate relationships with her uh, suppliers and keeping her thumb on the pulse of their resourcing demands, um, getting the best price possible. Um, and she was really kind of uh, deflated during the conclusion of the project and uh, on how much that had been taken away. Um, she said she felt more or less like an order entry clerk at that point. Um, and so funny enough, she actually said our interview was a nice opportunity to vent. Uh, so it was really clear how the implementation had affected her. Uh, my second interview was with Sean. Uh, Sean is a senior accountant at Chemco, which is a construction material and chemical distribution company. Uh, he was very fluent and, and comfortable with technology and considered it a really critical role in his daily activities. Uh, he was a very traditional accounting type personality, very logical, very precise, very sharp. Um, and uh, his company was migrating from Lawson to SAP, and SAP is one of the larger um, systems out there. And their implementation took about two years. Uh, he was in, uh, interestingly pretty positive about his experience throughout the process. Uh, he mentioned that he felt informed about the project and the milestones. He felt that he was properly involved in meetings and discussions that needed his input. And he felt he had ad adequate access to training and resources. Um, although he did say that they suffered a bit with capacity issues given their increased workloads post go live uh, with some uh, deadlines, but he said overall he believes the success of his implementation project really stemmed from regular communication and lots of testing. Uh, the third interview I had was with Chris, and Chris is a site manager at uh, where, uh, Innovative Warehousing, and they are a third-party food logistics and supply chain company. Uh, he is a somewhat lighter technology user. Uh, he uses technology occasionally during the day and is uh, somewhat comfortable with technology in general. Uh, his company migrated from Microsoft Dynamics AX 2009 to AX 2012, um, and his implementation was pretty rocky, and by far his interview was the most polarizing, I felt. Uh, his company actually had to shelve the project halfway uh, through it due to problems with over-customization and confidence issues with their vendor. Um, and Chris described multiple ways in which he was unhappy and disillusioned as a result of his implementation. Uh, he mentioned on many occasions that he felt overwhelmed with his increased responsibilities during the project and felt that decisions were being made about the areas he oversaw without any of his input or expertise. Uh, he described many ways in which the project affected his daily operations and how the pause they had in the project really affected the attitude and morale of his peers and his subordinates. So it eventually escalated to the point in which Chris started actively seeking other employment. And although he ended up staying on at Innovative, um, at the time it was really more so for necessity than commitment to the company. So overall, his attitude towards the experience was very negative. Uh, and it's interesting as well to note that of the five people I interviewed, his implementation was the longest in terms of start to end. Uh, five years is a long time to be in a state of flux um, and fluidity in terms of actively working on a project. Uh, but in the end, he said the entire experience was very draining and believed his trust in management really suffered as a result. Uh, the fourth interview I had was with Jenny. Uh, she is a business development analyst at MetFab. Uh, MetFab is a metal fabrication and manufacturing company. She was someone who used technology very heavily throughout the day and felt comfortable with technology in general. Uh, her company uh, migrated from Sage to SAP, so this is another SAP implementation. Um, she also had a rough time with her, uh, her project. She didn't feel like she was given the tools to meet the expectations that management had of her. 
uh, she was essentially given a new subset of job responsibilities for this project with no real way to meet them. Uh, she went on to describe multiple ways in which she felt the project was not coordinated effectively and felt that her uh, personal life was negatively affected uh, as well from all the project demands and responsibilities. Um, she also mentioned her company uh, also started restricting uh, PTO use during uh, critical CRP and UAT events um, at, for weeks at a time, which also negatively affected her personal life. And it was interesting when, when was speaking with her and how she talked about how negative attitudes were contagious uh, and how this led to her own attitude being affected as well. Uh, she believed a lot more could have been done to better prepare the company for the shifts in processes and in workloads and technical expectations from users. Uh, she was also upset uh, how her job as an analyst uh, was now more or less supporting the ERP system almost exclusively. And this role uh, was not one that she wanted. And she sort of alluded to the fact that if she couldn't soon get back to her old job that she employed, uh, that she would uh, be open to other opportunities for employment. So uh, her three-year uh, implementation experience was negative. And al although she did say she was happy with getting everyone standardized um, and, and, you know, versus working on spreadsheets, she didn't feel that anything went exceedingly well throughout her implementation project. And, and lastly, my, my fifth interview was with Miles. Uh, Miles is an inventory control analyst at Rapid Machining, which is a uh, 3D printing company. Uh, he uses technology heavily throughout the day, considers it uh, critical to his daily activities. Uh, this was another uh, Microsoft Dynamics implementation. Uh, they were migrating from uh, two separate systems, a custom ERP solution and uh, uh, Dynamics AX2009 to AX2012. Uh, his project was another kind of... Uh, pause and reset type of thing. They also switched implementation partners halfway throughout their project. Uh, he uh, described many ways in which he felt unhappy with the inconsistent communication and exposure to, exposure to information. He felt his training on the new system was inadequate for what he needed, and he felt that the lack of resources at his disposal for his daily operations really a negative affected uh, his engagement. He, he mentioned uh, feeling that the project was being managed poorly and having uh, all of this stress bleed into his personal life. He also had his PTO uh, usage restricted during um, key events as well. So overall, his experience was negative from the project. And what stuck out to me from Miles was his comments that a lot of people were upset that they would see all of this money and resources being pooled into the implementation project with nothing really tangible to show for it. And this affected his ability to get projects taken care of in the meantime or to start new initiatives um, uh, for years at a time. And this affected his engagement because he felt he couldn't do anything. And this also sort of resonated with Chris's interview about the impact felt um, on their on their jobs and the ability to get their work done uh, type of thing. So Miles stated that, um, again, this project negatively affected his personal life, but on a positive side, he was impressed that his company was finally able to get them live on the new on the new system after four years. So this is the real meat and potatoes of the project in that these are the themes that the participants experienced throughout each project. Um, and these categories were formed by reducing the interview transcripts down by identifying, identifying commonalities across each story, forming categories and grouping those categories into higher level concepts. So I'll just go through each theme here of what was the focus points um, that people described as being important. So the, the theme of impact to job enrichment um, was formed by commonalities across the categories of job autonomy and changes to task variety and challenge. 
project and group goal attainment was formed from the categories generated of project leadership and planning, uh, the categories of decision-making input and participation form the theme of choice, voice, and involvement. The theme of resource adequacy uh, was formed from the categories of operational and material disruptions, as well as resource availability. Um, the theme of personal and time commitments was formed from the categories of time constraints and personal impact. Clarity of decision-making, communication, and alignment of expectations form the theme of information and decision transparency. The theme of learning and development was formed from the categories of change management and training. And finally, job attitudes, project setbacks, and project fatigue form the theme of timelines and project delays. And this will make sense as I continue on here. Um, again, these are all kind of symbolizing what the five people um, experience in terms of their implementation projects. So from all the data I collected here, I began tying it back to the literature I researched early on. So what really stuck out was the sheer fact that four out of five participants had negative experiences with their projects. Um, so going, each, going through each theme I talked about earlier, I'm going to reflect back to the literature. So the first one, participants shared a high importance on the subject of role autonomy and role enrichment. And the argument is that changes to people's jobs and responsibilities and autonomy brought on by the project disrupted their fundamental understanding of their job requirements. Um, and this is all subconscious stuff. Uh, Kim felt that she was now a, quote, cog in the big machine and that her job had become more transactional. Um, Sean, Sean indicated his job had become more fast paced. Uh, and Chris described how his warehouse staff felt anxious about having to now use their ERP system for their task, which resulted in slowing their performance. So research has demonstrated that job tasks are a key precursor to the state of employee engagement and that it is critical to the overall psychological state of engagement. Um, it is also mentioned that uh, an employee's perceived importance of their job and their tasks as being a predictor of their engagement. So this highlights the importance of meaningful and challenging work and overall reasonably explains the shift in the attitudes and commitments that the participants experience in their implementation projects. Second here, following a comprehensive and organized project plan uh, was highlighted as an important factor in these projects from the interviews. And all of the participants in the study descri uh, described some level of impact felt from the extent in which the project was coordinated and managed. So there is a model that I use called personal and material resource theory. Uh, this states that the conditions that enhance and enable a person's ability to achieve their goals will add to positive motivation. And people are more motivated to perform well when their groups or teams enable the success of these group goals and objectives. So therefore the absence of these factors that the, many of the participants experienced um, is likely to have led to that demotivation. Uh, being involved in decision-making uh, was an important factor that was brought up. Uh, and Kim, Chris, Jenny, and Miles, I believe, all discussed how they they felt that they could not engage in discussions about their needs and the future states of their departments. And um, that added to feelings of doubt and anxiety and frustration. They discussed how they felt disconnected from opportunities to provide feedback uh, or engage in decision-making, and their reactions are understandable given the changing nature of their jobs um, during the implementation. So, Again, this ties back to the level of personal identity that is generally felt by people in their jobs. And when the nature of their jobs is in flux, so is their identity, so to speak. So this can lead to resistance. Um, the, the effects of the 
daily operational disruptions was felt by, I believe, everyone uh, in, in some manner. And one of the exogenous theories of work motivation I discussed earlier is personal and material resource theory. And this describes how constraints on an employee's abilities or opportunities to achieve their work goals um, are demotivating. And when I say resources, I'm talking about a few things. I'm talking about personal resources. You know, do I have the physical capacity or manpower to get my job done? I'm talking about material resources, tools, training equipment, um, and social resources, uh, interaction, communications, access to information. And these have a direct and significant impact on the perceived level of intrinsic and extrinsic rewards for employees. And so it has an indirect effect on morale um, and engagement, uh, as we talked about earlier. So this speaks to their kind of understanding of what tools and resources do I have at my disposal to best accomplish my job type of thing. And, and this is likely to either strengthen or weaken um, their development um, of these motivation feelings. And many of the participants shared feelings of demotivation and dissatisfaction with their lack of perceived availability of these resources. Um, and this, sorts of, this sort of reinforces the argument that resource adequacy um, has a significant impact on employee motivation and their job satisfaction. Uh, in, in terms of time, resources, uh, and capacity, so numerous studies have found that work-life balance affects employee engagement and performance. Uh, this is well-researched. And, and, and seeing how the impact on the personal lives of the participants was discussed um, so heavily made an important factor in their attitudes. The argument uh, can be made that there is a causal relationship between time constraints and the work-life balance of the employee. Uh, again, many participants reacted negatively to the impact that the project had on their personal lives, so the disengagement is pretty understandable um, given that. Uh, the next one here, uh, access to information and communication. So this was a big talking point with the participants, and all of them spoke to the extent in which their access to information and the quality and the frequency and the transparency of that communication had an effect on their experiences throughout the project. Uh, this seems to resonate uh, with research conducted that demonstrates that employees who have a solid understanding of their jobs, goals, uh, and career paths were more, more likely to be satisfied and have higher engagement levels than those that didn't. Um, likewise, going back to goal theory, this, seemed, uh, this suggests that the goals uh, of uh, employees' jobs and work should be specific, clear, attractive, um, difficult, but attainable. And the knowledge and feedback on how to accomplish these goals is useful for maintaining the, the momentum um, of the motivation, um, the motivational force. Uh, in the category of learning and development, uh, training was huge. And research has found that training opportunities drive employees' perception that their leadership team cares about their well-being and that they are valued. So thinking about it subconsciously, if my employer is giving me adequate opportunities to have the skills needed to do my job, then they must care about my well-being and value my contributions. So uh, additional research has found that um, having more comprehensive training upfront for these types of projects leads to a quicker turnaround time after go live for companies. So since there, there will likely be a time of increased stress and decreased productivity after go live, um, on a new system, um, it's been found that the initial dip in productivity and sales was shorter uh, with companies that had more rigorous training programs in place for employees than those that didn't. So the important part of this category though, is that it's not just about training. It's about a holistic understanding of how my job 
will function in post go live terms. So it's it's not it's it's less about mouse clicks and learning how to 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 do this and that. It's it's more about um, understanding what my job will look like, what my reality will look like, how will my interactions with other groups and departments and the customer look like, um, and are there facets of the job that I currently identify with that will change or will go away after we go live. This is the most important part. And lastly, talking about attitudes and setbacks. So there were a few situations in which um, participants faced project setbacks uh, and challenges that affected their engagement uh, and attitudes towards their jobs and companies. Um, and this could have been in the form of bad attitudes and disengagement that resulted from project delays, missed go lives, missed milestones, what have you. These types of events are commonly called what is called a shock event. And, and this is when you have these types of jarring things happen at a job and the feelings that it creates for employees. Uh, it's called a shock event because it relates to the instinctual fight or flight response, like, oh man, what's going on? Am I gonna be fired? What does this mean for me type of thing? And a large uh, facet of employee turnover uh, comes from the, these types of shock events because it contributes to the idea that leaving one's job is a more relevant option to consider than it was before. Um, so it's it's important to reduce the fallout from these types of events with project setbacks um, and the attitudes that result. And, and there is research that calls out that companies can help manage these negative reactions and turnover by simply reducing the dissatisfaction that comes from a lack of communication and transparency. So reducing the questions, um, eliminating what people will naturally fill the gaps of information with their own speculation and questioning here uh, and gossip was key. But overall, what I found was really interesting uh, was with Sean's interview and how essentially everything that the four others said was lacking uh, in their implementations was fairly present in, in his. So I, it's interesting that really the themes that were generated here from all the all complemented and illustrated each other in various perspectives, uh, both positive and negative uh, from each participant. So I recognize that that's a lot to cram in such a short period of time, but I wanted to move on uh, to the recommendations made uh, to help address these themes that were important facets of each facets of each experience. And each recommendation covers one or more themes that were present. So I've got one, two, three, four, six. I got six ones, six recommendations. So to address the theme of job enrichment, the, the recommendation here is to recognize that ERP transformations redesign jobs, whether you like it or not, um, and to proactively maintain or add elements to the jobs um, that are intrinsically motivating to offset those changes. So essentially staying ahead of the curve in job redesign. Um, there are a bunch of ways to do this. One of them that I recommended was cons the considering uh, vertical loading. And that's where uh, an employee's job now has responsibilities and controls that were formerly reserved for management or, or their managers. And this has proven to be an important principle of job redesign because it helps strengthen autonomy and, and an employee's competence in their job. In terms of project and group goal attainment, the recommendation uh, is to ensure that excellent project management skills are being practiced throughout the implementation process. Uh, this sounds like a no-brainer, uh, but it is really critical given uh, how there are so many moving parts and dependencies from people and departments, and the effect of poor, poor project planning uh, was clearly felt in the interviews. Um, this can establish, uh, this can include establishing cl uh, clear objectives, paying careful attention to the implications of 
when and how employees are involved, um, monitoring of the progress uh, of the project and commitment to the project timelines and communication and methodology on both part of the leadership and the consultants. In terms of choice, voice, and involvement, uh, provide mechanisms for employees um, to participate with and provide input on the project and the related decisions. That's not to say that every company can be run like a democracy, um, but there are ways to implement this on a smaller scale, uh, such as working with smaller subsets of teams um, to provide input with the core teams on um, decision-making and processes. This should give people the feeling that they were heard uh, and that their expertise and their history uh, and their and value were respected because these decisions will ultimately have an impact on their future job roles and responsibilities, making people feel that they were in charge of the change. To address the category of uh, the categories of resource adequacy and personal and time commitments, the recommendation here is to ensure that employees continue to have access to the to adequate personal material and social resources. Uh, because the implementation will inevitably increase their workload. Um, leadership should also be aware of the potential need to increase staffing prior to go live um, to meet any future state um, departmental processes and uh, reduced efficiency that may occur. Uh, I also mentioned um, in the paper that uh, vacation or PTO blackout policies um, should be carefully weighed uh, because they are likely to have a harmful effect on employees' perception of the organizational culture, uh, which is more or less how an employee resonates with their company. So the subconscious thought here is, okay, my employer is telling me that due to this project, I can't take time off or take vacation. They must not value me on an individual levels, and therefore I resonate with them less type of thing. Uh, the next recommendation covers three categories, uh, and this is for leadership to regularly practice good, honest, and transparent communication with those whose jobs will be affected. Um, communicating openly and frequently about project status, objectives, and milestones is key, and, and provide good explanations when objectives or milestones are revised. Um, I spoke earlier about the implications of lessening the questions of why in these cases. And it would be uh, super if an implementation project went off without a hitch and we met all of our deadlines and we were even under budget, but that would be super. But reality speaking, that doesn't always occur. And when this happens, employees will naturally turn to the core team members for insights into what's going on and if they seem negative, frustrated, or stressed. Uh, this is not to suggest that leadership should be untruthful about what is going on, uh, but information should be presented in a positive, albeit honest, manner. Um, leadership should also be uh, understand that this transparency needs to be tailored one way for people who work primarily in the main office and another for those who work remotely or in satellite offices. Different groups of people and different sites do not have the same level of information at their fingertips. And um, while providing an abundance of content may prove to be a go-to strategy for some, um, it could easily become overwhelming and, and for others and ignored. Lastly, to address the theme of learning and development, the recommendation here is to, to really beef up the training and be methodical about it and help employees understand the world that they are getting into once they go live. So kind of going over a few final thoughts about this, uh, ERP systems are just one of many technology tools used in businesses today. But what is interesting is how the most important risk factors identified from this research were not really about the software, but from the people and the job satisfaction issues that are related to, to, to the technology change and stress on an organization. 
Um, and, and frankly speaking, none of which uh, what was discovered was super surprising. It just helps reinforce the need for human considerations. Um, and, and when I talk about human considerations, this is much more than simply having a scorecard and checking off my list. Okay, I've communicated with this team on the subject. Uh, I've made sure that this department is trained and so forth. It, it really injects the idea that people are changing along with the software. It's not just a technology implementation. Um, it's a cultural and human implementation as well. Um, and without recognizing this perspective of how change affects people, you have people with these lingering thoughts that affect their motivation uh, and commitment. Technology already plays a vital role in today's world and will most certainly continue to do so going forward. So this need's not gonna go away anytime soon. Uh, it'll likely uh, strengthen. And for those that have not gone through any European implementation before, um, this is certainly not intended to scare you off type of thing. Uh, and I'm also not suggesting that companies should abandon these types of projects just because somebody might get upset in the workforce, but rather um, use the results from the study to create a level of shared understanding and empathy with our employees to avoid some potential headaches uh, or problems later on. Um, and lastly, I provided a link here. I think we can send it out through email or chat here later. If you'd like to read the actual dissertation, um, it's available um, for public viewing. Like I said, this was a challenging thing to cram 150 page paper and 20 slides. So if you'd like some uh, you know, casual reading, it's available online as well.